At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. As we step into the new year, we're turning to the book of James for our message series, Live the Truth. In a culture preaching the power of whatever feels right to you, it's time to set aside positive vibes for a truth you can stand on. Join us as we answer James' call to reject the latest feel-good message for a mature faith. Again, I love being able to be a part of the kids' lives, parents' lives, um, being able and have the opportunity to do this, to come up in front of you and to speak God's word to you. It's crazy because, you know, like I, we, we, we do our devotions, and I'm not as good as I should be, but I'm not as bad as I, whatever that country song is. Anyway, um, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but when I'm preparing for a message, I love that focus. Uh, yesterday, I was in my office, um, I had the music blaring, I had 75 screens on so I could see all the things, reading God's word, studying, being a part of that, listening to the spirit, being in that moment, and it's amazing because as I'm sitting there studying, I'm not just studying for myself, I'm studying to prepare to, sh- to tell you of God's word, to walk you through a passage that I believe is amazing and that the Holy Spirit's going to work through. And so I love this opportunity, I love what we did this morning, and I love being able to dive in God's Word with you today. Uh, The last few weeks we've been working through James, a couple of the themes have been uh, when times of struggles, you know, seasons of temptation and struggles, and it was uh, God's wisdom, using God's wisdom in your everyday life. Last week was um, putting um, possessions in their proper perspectives. Earthly treasures versus uh, heavenly treasures. Today, James, again, as we're in the book of James, is walking us through a very practical and wise truth um, of judgment or favoritism or discrimination um, or partiality. So James is talking through with us the sin of putting a value on somebody based on what they can do who they are, what they look like, what they can offer you. And so as we walk through this, I want you to be um, mindful. Be mindful of James talking to this audience, but how does this work in your life? Um, The first little bit here, I'm going to assume, the the way that I'll be talking is I'm going to assume that you and I have a relationship with God, that we believe that Jesus is our Savior, And because of Jesus, we can have a relationship with God. Uh, James is talking to his church, or a church, and so he's talking to believers. Um, Before we get into that, though, there's a lot of different ways that judgment or partiality or favoritism could look like, so I want to just work through a list just so we get to understand where we're at. Um, Kiddos, you're in here. How many kids are in here? Raise your hand. Woo! We got a lot downstairs, too, so I'm really happy that you're up here with me. Um... So, kiddos, maybe when you're playing sports on the, uh, on the playground, maybe it's dodgeball or basketball or tag or whatever the sport is, you want the best kids on your team. You're scoping them out. You want to see which one can play dodgeball. I don't even know if we play dodgeball anymore, but dodgeball or basketball or soccer or whatever it is, you want the best kid on your team. Or, kiddos, what about at lunch? Now, COVID might have put a wrench in this, but what about at lunch? Your mom packed you, remember, very lovingly. She packed your lunch very lovingly every morning, or your dad. And they've put the best things in there, but 
the kid across the table has way better things in their lunch. And so you now are choosing them as your trading partner. And the negotiations begin, and you've picked them, and you want their food, and you want what they have. Okay? Students, um, in school, there's a lot of different things. Lab partner. I don't know, uh, I don't know when science starts, but let's say it's in middle school. <laughs> um, I would never have gotten through science without my lab partner. Thankfully, it, I was allowed to copy everything he did. And, and that's the only way I got through it, because I was so bad at it. Uh, but you choose your lab partner based on what they can do for you. How smart are they? What is, are they going to help you get through it? Or maybe it's um, you know, one of those fairs where you're building a science project, and, and you have partners, or you're working on a group project. You're picking the people that can do the best for you. Or what about video games? Maybe in Fortnite. Okay? You're playing those duos. You want the kid who is the best in the room with you because he's going to help you or she's going to help you. Parents, what about the neighbor who offers you the most in return? They have the best toys. They have the biggest yard. They have a boat on an ocean somewhere in Morocco. I don't know. So of all of the neighbors on your street, maybe we pick the one that can offer us the most. And, and we tend to gravitate towards them, have dinner with them, hang out with them in their garage. But what about in our workplace, trying to get to the next level, trying to get a promotion, trying to get a raise? Do we pick the people based on what they can do for us, and we kind of leave the other ones to the side? What about me? So as a pastor, uh, as, as I'm shepherding people, um, maybe I pick, maybe I'm concerned about, is, is this person going to be, is, is this going to be a difficult situation? Will this take a long time? How much energy will this take for me? How much time will I have to put into this? Am I willing to see somebody for their value, who God created them to be, no matter what the uh, opportunity is, if Jesus brought it my way, I am going to do that. Or am I saying, eh, maybe, maybe one of my really good friends, I could just shepherd them. It would be much easier. The series has been Living Faith, and our big idea today is mature faith sees the soul through the shell or seeing what's inside versus what's on the outside. Do we really believe that all life is good? That humanity's value isn't calculated by anything earthly? Do we really believe that in our everyday lives, whether we're at school trading lunch, whether we're at a home with our neighbors, um, whether I'm here working and shepherding with others, do we really believe that each other is valuable and it's not calculated based on earthly things? James is very passionate about this, and so he starts right in. Uh, and James chapter 2 is going to be our, our section, uh, 1 through 13. And what he wants is, when you look at the world, when you meet other people, what do you see? Do you see their value? James wants us to adopt two rules in this passage on um, fighting against the sin of partiality or favoritism. The first one is, do not measure people by what they can give you. All right, let's start in verse 1. 
of James chapter 2. It says, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. One of the commentaries is I, that I was reading kind of um, translated it a little bit differently. And I thought it was, I mean, it was really clear then for me. It says, Do not try to combine faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, our glory, with worship of men's social status. Do not try and combine our faith in Jesus while at the same time judging those around us based on what they can do for us or their value on what they can do or who they are. Let's read on. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing, uh, this is like, you know, um, I don't even know how to equate it to now because not a lot of us wear a lot of gold rings. Um, okay, watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watches. You know, like they, they look very, very um, well put together. They walk through the doors. If a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes into the assembly, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothes and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Okay, potentially this is a hypothetical situation that James is explaining to his audience to try and get them to understand, potentially. There's some debate that it means a couple different things. One could be like a church, a synagogue. There's a word in there, um, translated synagogue. I did not translate it. Somebody else did. Um, and so, it, but, but we wouldn't think of it like this. It wouldn't be a worship service like this. It'd be more like a home, like a house church. Now, if we take that situation, whether it was real or not real, and, and, and uh, Paul is um, concerned enough with this that more than likely he's seen this happen. If we say that it's a house church, this now becomes very personal and very sad. It's sad anyway, but... Somebody was, two people came into a house, and the people there, the believers, the Christians said, we want him, we don't want you. You come up and sit up front, you're right next to the fireplace, you're right next to the hors d'oeuvre table, you're right next to everything that you could ever want. You, though, I want you to go in the mudroom. You can hear and you can listen, but do not be seen. Another way of looking at this is in a courtroom uh, or like a small uh, magistrate room, courtroom. Uh, and so back in the Roman times, there was a, this idea of a client, let me read it, a client, a patron-client relationship where someone who was wealthy would buy someone who was poor and then that person who was poor is now um, uh, dedicated or uh, you know, tied to this person so that anytime there's any legal troubles, there is always enough votes in the positive direction. And so maybe it's a courtroom study, and maybe the believers that were in the courtroom decided we want him because he's going to help us the most while we're going to treat him like he doesn't even exist. Sit at my feet. Either way, either, either uh, um, uh, situation, James is saying... It's the sin of partiality and favoritism. These actions are probably, like I was just saying, uh, uh, realistic enough that James had seen this. And the two characters, we got the rich and we have the poor. 
And this would be more like, if, if it was a house, it, it, it would be very, very personal. And James makes it clear that favoritism or discrimination is a sin. James views this ways of thinking and actions as evil and wicked. Us trying to attempt to do God's job in judging us, but we do it way worse. The people involved, this is what James' biggest thing was in these first five verses, the people involved fail to see the most important player or person in this story, and that is Jesus. And what did it say in, in verse um, 1? Verse 1. He is our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Or, as another translation put it, of the glory. He's the localized or the presence of Yahweh, of God Almighty. Jesus was there with them. And it's in direct opposition of everything that he, he died for, that he lives for, and that he wants. All right, let's go to uh, verse, uh, verse 5. It says, Listen, my brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs in the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you, are the ones who drag you to, into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? God chose the poor, to be heirs in the kingdom for eternity. God is on the side of the poor, but not because the poor, um, not because they are poor, but because they are responsive to him. They are humble in, in heart. I think about, you know, if you go overseas, uh, missions, trips, and stories, and you, you, you see these villages that have absolutely nothing, yet they have the, the, they have the faith of those who have everything. And they praise and they worship their God on a daily basis, giving everything they have, which is nothing. So God's not on the side of the poor because they're poor. It's because they are humble. Um, oh, no. They are humble with him. By siding with the very class, which both historically and present persecutes the impoverished believers, they have, in fact, these people that were in James's audience, they've effectively sided with them, even though they're saying we love Jesus. They're in their direct opposition of that. I want you to be careful, though, because all of us in the room right now are rich compared to a lot of other people in the world. There might be levels of richness or wealth, but all of us are wealthy. All of us have what we need. James does not condemn the rich for being rich. He insults and condemns their actions. What is their motive? What is their heart? Jesus and the gospel fights against this injustice. The gospel puts us on a level playing field. Whether you drove here, took a bus here, Ubered here, Whatever you've been blessed with, we are all on the same playing field. Here we go. The gospel declares that you and I are sinners. I am nothing else. You are nothing else. We are sinners that, don't, that do not deserve 
anything. But the gospel, Jesus. Let's look at the, uh, we have down in kids' ministry, we have gospel icons. We're going to take a look at these five gospel icons. And it help, I, I love these because it helps us uh, talk through the gospel. It helps us picture and understand and keep track of what is the, what is the gospel. So, kiddos, hopefully I've done my job. What's the first icon? Scream it out loud. Go ahead. What is it? God rules. All right. God is our creator, ruler, king. He's over all, above all, and can do all. There is nothing that compares to the power and majesty of our creator, ruler, king. What's the next one, kiddos? The red X. What is that one? We sin. We sin. The gospel puts us all on a level playing field. I'm not better than you, you're not better than me, and we're not better than anyone else because we're in this room. We're all sinners. We sin. Yep, yep. What's the next one with the cross? Yes, yes, God provided. God knows that there is no way for us to reconcile our sin. Therefore, he gave us a gift. What's the next icon? What's the gift? Jesus gave his life, his sacrifice. This is in Romans 5.8. Romans 5.8, God showed us his love before we ever deserved it. Jesus did not show partiality. He did not show favoritism. As he's hanging on the cross, and people are just spitting at him. That's who he died for. He died for you, and he died for me. The last one is we respond. This is where I want to switch the sermon a little bit in that for those of you that are in this room, if you are not understanding your playing field and where you're at, this is the gospel. This is what James is fighting for. And this is what he's fighting against. And that's, partial, that's saying that some of this is not good enough for some of you. Or it's better than some of you. You don't deserve it. James is fighting against that. The point is not to demonize the rich or glorify the poor. Sometimes I think that happens today. Like we want equality. Yes. We don't want injustice. Yes. But then what we say is, this, these people who have been oppressive, they're bad. And so stop with them. Start with these people over here. They've been oppressed we need to lift them up and raise them up because they deserve it. And these people don't deserve it. That's not what James is saying, and that's not what the gospel says. These people don't deserve anything. These people don't deserve anything. The only thing we deserve is death, except that Jesus gave his life for you and me so that we can have eternal love and grace and joy and peace in heaven for eternity. We are not defined by our earthly resources, whether rich or poor. We are not defined by them. There was something that I thought about in the middle of, of, of all of this, and that is, if I am showing favoritism or partiality, if I'm doing that, do I actually understand the value of the person that I'm being 
that I'm discriminating? Do I understand their value? Do I really understand their value? And then I started thinking, do I really understand my value? Because my value is nothing without Jesus. I don't have, I'm not better than anyone. If I'm showing favoritism and partiality, if I'm trying, trying to, to surround myself with people who can do good for me, who can better me, who can make me look cooler, who can give me the, the, the networking of all the people that I could ever want to get a great job and, and lots of money, if I'm doing that, then I have not rightly understood the playing field of man and the playing field of God. One is sinful, one is perfection. And there is a huge gap in between. The gospel defines us. The gospel defines us as sinners, and at the same time, it defines us as creations made by a loving Father perfectly who loves us and wants us with him for the rest of our lives. As James continues, uh, the eye, the, his eyes of faith turn to um, measuring, God's, measuring people by God's standards. So the first one was, I forgot, the first one was do not measure people by what they can give you. Second one is measure people by God's standards. This second aspect uh, of James's clear vision comes with mature faith, and that is seeing God first. Thank you, Lord, that when God looks at me, he sees Jesus first. When God looks at you, if you have a relationship with God, he sees Jesus first. When I look at others, am I looking at Jesus first? All right, let's read, and we're almost done. Uh, James chapter two, uh, verse 8, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. James makes it very clear right there that if we love our neighbors ourselves, great. But if we fail to do the law in another area, We've, we've, we've sinned against the whole law. It doesn't matter what we did with our neighbor. It doesn't matter what we chose over here. We're transgressors against the whole law. In verse 11, I want us to see, oh, uh, verse 10. I'm sorry, it was 8, 9, and 10. Verse 10 says, for whoever keeps the whole law but fails in at one point has been guilty of all of it. Okay, verse 11. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder... You become a transgressor of the law. I thought, okay, that's a little, that's a little, um, that escalated quickly. So the only two examples he's given us are is adultery and murder. Okay, well, I'm not planning on doing both of those. So does that mean I'm fine? So why did James pick this? There's a couple different reasons why he could have. Um, it turns up again in James 4, and so he could be referencing that. Um, as he speaks of murder uh, out of envy and, adulter and adulterous in the relationship with God. So he could be referencing that. Another one is that James looks back to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and those were the two examples that Jesus gave. And so he gave those as well. But regardless, James is so showing that neglecting the poor sins against the central principle of God's will. Love. Love your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. If we show favoritism or partiality or we discriminate or we view a group of people as not worthy, 
We make jokes about those people. We laugh at jokes about those people. We're in direct opposition of God's central law, his will, love, love God, love your neighbor. All right, verse 12, so speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty, for judgment is without mercy to one who has shown mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. The beginning of James said the royal law. Let's see what it says. My brothers, for man leading, the royal law and the law of liberty. We now know that Jesus, Jesus took the place of the law. It was impossible for us to obey the law. It was impossible for us to fulfill the whole law. Jesus took that. He took that. He fulfilled that law, and then he saved us. In here, James is contrasting the believer and the unbeliever. Speak as those who are, and act as those who are under the law of liberty. Those of us who love Jesus. Those of us who have a relationship with God. Those of us who who have joy and we have peace. Treat others in that same way. Judge others in that same way. God loved us first before we ever deserve it. Do we love others before they deserve it? This is why we, we show, as, as a body of believers, we're a, unique commu- a, we're a unique community because we're a community that looks at things in different ways than the world around us does. Today, when you leave this week, whenever, think about how am I acting as a believer in the body of Christ to those around me? And do I see them with value as a creation of the king? Or do I see them as a commodity to throw away or to use? Wow, I like that. That's, I just came up with that commodity. Commodity, that was a good one. It's not even in my notes, I promise. (laughs) By his law, God has judged us as sinners, but by his mercy, he has taken our punishment. Will you and I follow him as our creator, ruler, king, and love those around us? As I'm closing and the band is coming up, I want to to sum up the whole thing. As believers, we stand in a unique community. Mercy has triumphed over judgment. Love has triumphed over hatred. As people defined by mercy and love and joy, will we define others in the same way? As you and I proclaim our... You and I, it's our duty to proclaim our faith. That's not, that doesn't mean we stand up on the mountaintops. It doesn't mean we, we, we just hit everybody over the head with everything. That, you know, I was reading something. It was, it was like... When, when you talk about something or, or in opposition to something, but you don't give an, a, a, um, a uh, solution or you don't act on a different way than what you're, you're getting angry at, people just, you're just pushing. But if you and I are showing love so that they love Jesus, that's our call. Not partiality, not favoritism. This was, a, this was a very um, pointed passage for me because I, uh, you know, at first I was like, yeah, I, I can't really connect with this because I, I, don't, I don't think I do that. Eh. And then I started reading and praying, and then, yeah, 
yeah, I have to be, I'm not perfect, you're not perfect, but I have to live in such a way where I am, I, I am treating others the way Jesus treated me, and it's before I ever deserved it. Let's pray. God, thank you for this amazing morning. Thank you that we can all come together. Thank you for the families who dedicated their children. Thank you for um, the ability to praise you and to honor you and to worship you, God. Thank you that Thank you that I'm not defined by anything in the world standard. Thank you that everyone here is not defined. Thank you that we're not defined by the world standard, that we're defined by the gospel. And thank you that there are two far parts to that gospel, the, that you, we are sinners, but that you love us. You died for us, and you want us with you. God, I pray that if we don't know you as our personal Savior, we would make that decision today. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.